Are you sick and tired of demand generation bullshit? Have you had enough of theoretical advice impossible to implement? Are you done with these so-called demand generation influencers? In this podcast, we interview marketing leaders and excellent practitioners to give you real advice that you can implement today. Welcome to Driving Demand. Welcome to Driving Demand, and today I have Tara Robertson joining me. She's the head of Demandian at Chili Piper and also the host of Demandian Chat. Welcome, Tara. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. Really looking forward to this. Yeah, it's really fun to have you. So we, we won't go into who Chili Piper is, because I think everybody who listens to this, this podcast knows that, but we want to know more about you, of course. So can't you tell us a little bit about how you got into marketing and, and like how you ended up at Chili Piper? It's always fun. People always have very, very different ways into marketing, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely not a linear path, I would say. <laughs> Um, so I don't want to go too far back, but, um, I'll just quickly skip over my first couple of roles, but my first role was at a small startup here in Toronto. Um, I actually found the role on Craigslist, which I don't (laughs) think people do that anymore. I wouldn't (laughs) recommend doing that these days. Um, but that was how I found my first role. And really what they were looking for is they called it a marketing coordinator, but it was really, I came to learn it was essentially inbound sales. So I answered, (laughs) um, the phones, I ordered lunch for people, I booked travel for our C-suite. Um, and then I also slowly got involved more in marketing as the company grew. Um, so we rolled out HubSpot. This was a while ago. So HubSpot was like very exciting for me to learn and learn from Mm. a brand that was growing really fast in B2B. Um, I set up our like Facebook page, our Twitter account, that kind of stuff. So it was Mm. very much getting the brand started. Um, And from there, I moved on to a couple more, I guess, scale-up size companies in Toronto. Um, One of them was Uberflip, which is pretty big in the content marketing space. Um, Mm. And this was about five or six years ago now. But we were really big on, I mean, that's when gated eBooks were a big thing. Webinars were a huge source of leads for us. So a ton has changed in B2B marketing. (laughs) But they really were at the forefront of a lot of those trends back in the day. So that was really mm. fun to be on the team and learn um, there. And while I was there, our head of marketing, who I learned a ton from, um, she moved on. And so I was able to move up um, in the company, take on a bunch more. It was a really great learning experience there. Um, mm. And after that, I ended up at a company also in Toronto called Top Hat that sold very different space. We sold to higher ed. So we sold to college administrators, professors, um, just very different. Um, And after a few years of that, I really wanted to get back to MarTech and kind of get back to just the B2B space. So I ended up at Chili Piper. Yeah. And there you've been for a couple of years now also. Yeah, just past the two-year mark this summer. So it's it's really flown by. Yeah. And and two years in a scale-up in the IT tech space is is probably 10 years in, in any regular company, I would guess. Yeah, that's what people say. And I've pretty much exclusively been at startups for about 10 years. So I think, I don't know how old <laughs> yeah. that makes me. But yeah, exactly. You've been working for 40 years. Or something like yeah, that. it feels like it sometimes. <laughs> um, and, and at Chili Piper, of course, you also mm-hmm. host your uh, company podcast, Demandian Chat, um, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And I, of course, love love podcasting. And we see a lot of companies starting podcasts these days, but very few maybe that are successful. And I think uh, yours is is at least one of them in the MarTech space, which is really cool. So can you talk us through, like, um, I don't know how long ago it was started now, actually, but that the idea behind starting it. Mm-hmm. 
For sure. Yeah. So the podcast Dimension Chat actually predates me. Um, so mm. it was already a thing at Chili Piper. And it was started by a former head of marketing about five years ago. Um, I think he did only a handful of episodes and then moved on from the company. So it kind of was on pause. No mm. one really knew what to do with it. Um, and then our former head of demand gen, Kaylee, who I'm sure a lot of listeners know, Kaylee Edmondson, um, she decided to bring it back and give it a try. So she brought it back. Uh, this would have been about three years ago. Um, and we saw a ton of success as soon as she started taking over as host. And we had a team behind the scenes helping her make it a little bit more polished. Um, we have a great head of video, Nolan, who helps with the creative side. Mm. So we really saw it gaining a lot of traction. And then when she moved on from Chili Piper, it was we were all kind of looking at each other like, who's going to take this over now? Because it had grown so much, we didn't want to lose it. Um, but it just made sense that I was essentially, when she left, I kind of became the demand gen team. So um, it was just a natural fit. And I just was excited to take it on. And have you, can, can you share some learnings from like taking that on? I just mm -hmm. know myself from, from you know, doing yeah. the first few episodes I, I did, you know, I was terribly nervous and, you know, it didn't flow as, as well as I would, <laughs> would have liked. So share some learnings yeah. with us. Uh, yeah. I would say at first, um, because it had grown, built up such a following with Kaylee, I was really nervous of changing the format. So yeah. I would literally write a script for every episode, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend. It's not the most natural <laughs> way to run a conversation. Um, but I was just really nervous of screwing it up, honestly. Yeah. So I had a script in front of me. Um, you could probably tell if you go back and listen that it was a little <laughs> stiff the first few episodes I did. Um, so I had to let go of that, which was a little bit scary just to not have something in front of me of what am I going to say next? What if they answer this way? And I don't know how to redirect the conversation. Yeah. So that was a little bit tricky. Um, and I would also say that I really, I would, similar to the format of your podcast, Adam, I would send a few questions ahead of time, but they were very mm. open-ended. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that really works when you're having guests to kind of let them fill in the fill in the blanks, fill in the conversation yeah. versus I used to have pages that I would send people and it was way yeah. too much. Um, and it didn't really give them any freedom to move the conversation around. So it was a little stiff. Um, so that yeah, was one yeah, learning. And I sure. think that's tricky, right? You want the feeling of conversation and at the same time, mm -hmm. you feel more comfortable yourself when you know you have a format and structure that works. Uh, right. And I guess it's almost harder and even more nervous for you when you're taking over something rather than starting it up from from scratch, because then you have, you know, there's no expectations. Um, exactly. Yeah, I didn't want to let people down. And I'll, at the same time, we obviously want to still grow. So I didn't want to do yeah. the exact same thing that Kaylee was doing, because then I was worried we wouldn't grow. So I think that's where we started doing things like adding more polished intros and outros to the episodes just to help. Honestly, it helps with just production time too, to have yeah. an outro ready to go instead of having to figure out what to say every time. Um, so we made that a little bit more polished, which helped. And then just the getting on top of the scheduling was a really big one for me too. So the first season mm. that I took over, it was, I mean, you know how running a podcast is. People reschedule, people can't make it, things happen. Yeah. Um, people say yes, and then you don't hear from them for months. Um, I think I did that to you by accident. You, but yeah, but that happens. It just happens. Yeah, it happens. And so the first season we had just a bunch of hiccups like that where uh this was 2021 so a couple of my guests had covid so they had to reschedule about a month out and then i had covid so i had to reschedule a bunch so it was just a lot of back and forth and then for this season we tried to pre-record a bunch ahead of time which mm -hmm. helped a lot and 
it just helped because obviously this isn't our full-time job doing the podcast yeah. as much as like it's a lot of fun and you get to learn you still have to do everything else um so it helped a lot to have like okay i have these two weeks where i'm really going to be heads down recording and yeah. then the rest of the time i can just do things like some light editing scheduling social posts that kind of thing before we continue this episode i want to tell you about one of today's sponsors and rich during last year, every single conversation within tech has been about the macro environment. Companies are looking to be more cost efficient while growing. Companies are looking to spend their marketing dollars wisely. And companies are more and more looking into ABM to solve this. But ABM can be really, really daunting, which is why I'm so happy to partner with a European company that collects everything you need for a successful ABM program under one umbrella. ICP creation, intent data, audience builder, ABM advertising, they have it all. So have you just started or are looking to do more ABM in 2023? They are right now offering free ABM diagnostics to set your program up for success. You'll find the link in the description. And now back to the episode. Have you found any like good way to tie it back to your revenue or is it more like, or is it more brand in your sense? That's a good question. I think this is the one thing that if you're considering starting a podcast, I would really think about and talk with your leadership team on what is the goal. Because a lot yeah. of people think like, oh, the leads are just going to be pouring in as soon as we hit yeah. publish. And I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> count on that. Um, so we do a couple different things. One thing that has been really helpful for me, and we saw this in the past too, when Kaylee was running the podcast, but um, we actually on every sales call ask the person how they heard about us so they get into usually a little bit of a longer winded up um answer than if we just asked on we also ask on a form but they don't always mm. get into the details on the form um but we noticed that on those calls and we record them with gong um that the podcast comes up quite a bit even if it doesn't come up in any other traditional attribution because yeah you probably know it's very hard to track if people are listening on YouTube or Spotify or wherever they're finding your podcast it's so hard to tie that back to a real person at an account yeah um so we use Gong um, and I just have alerts set up if someone mentions the podcast or my name or the newsletter or demand gen chat, um, then I get those alerts and I can basically kind of make that case that it influenced that opportunity. And that's a really cool way though, because I feel like even if we use these, like how did you hear about those mm -hmm. fields, sometimes people might not fill them in <laughs> accurately in that sense, but but in a conversation they might mention, yeah, and I listened to, to this episode that I, I thought was really interesting. So that's more of a yeah, it feels like people do that more often than actually fill it in, maybe. So that's a cool idea. Yeah, exactly. And then we've had some other cases where um, I've just built great relationships with people that we've had on the podcast. And they, I've reached out to them not because they were a customer, but just because they just happened to be customers. Yeah. Um, so that has helped, too, because they've moved on to different companies. They still like were very top of mind for them. Um, so it's again, it's not directly attributed to that new customer coming in, but... I definitely think it's fair to say the influence is there. Yeah, no, I like that. Do you have any other like specific do's and don'ts you would say if you were to start mm. a podcast at a new company, say, what, what would you yeah. definitely do and what would you definitely not do? Hmm, um, I would also try to think more about the format. I know interview style is super popular right now. I, yeah. I worry a little bit for my own podcast for next year that we need to do something different just because they're yeah. all kind of the same now. So that's a bit that's really top of mind for me is what could you bring to the table that's different if you have someone 
in-house who has a lot to say about a certain topic, especially if you're selling to like a very niche market, maybe you want your CTO on it or it doesn't have to be the marketing person who runs it. It could be someone else in the company. So I would, I would think about that for sure. Mm. Um, and then for us, um, I think we'll get into this in a bit, but we're a very lean team. So we actually don't have anyone full-time creating content on the team. So we use the podcast as the backbone for a lot of our content marketing as well. So it's really multi-purpose, multi-channel, and that helps us. So we know we're going to have 12 episodes, almost 12 hours yeah. of content and that we can slice and dice in various different ways. A good way to do a startup scale up also, right? When you don't have that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. No, I like that. And I think it's hard with podcasting. I like that what you said about format, because I've also been thinking about that. Like, Mm-hmm. A big reason why I do interviews is because, yes, I get to learn and it's also time efficient. Like we, I get knowledge from someone else. Uh, in If I were to run an episode each month, I, I would have to bring my perspective. It, it would be hard. But if you're a company, of course, you could, you probably have a lot of people with, with a lot of great knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's different also. Yeah. And again, it comes back to your goals. I mean, you're probably similar to me where part of the goal of doing the podcast is to learn and figure out, oh, I want to try that on my own. So it's kind of like a win-win situation where you talk to someone interesting, you get something that you can take back for your own marketing. Yeah, exactly. But if we if we take a, a closer look at the at the Chili Piper marketing team, then you said you were pretty lean. Can't you tell us a bit mm-hmm. about how it's structured and kind of what what areas are beneath you, so to say? Because I feel like Demandian is often a bit different at different companies, yes. you know, different areas. Sure. Yeah, Demandian can mean a lot of different <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, so when I was brought onto the team, my focus was really meant to be scaling our paid social program. So obviously we're very focused on LinkedIn, but we wanted to exp- extend to other channels as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so paid still sits under me. Um, so paid search, paid social, if we do any newsletters, sponsorship type things, um, some small events that will sponsor sit under me. Um, obviously the podcast, the newsletter, and then pretty much anything that relates back to tracking and marketing ops. I usually not that I execute all of it myself, but I usually have a hand. <laughs> yeah. I usually yeah. have a hand in that. Um, and then we do have a separate RevOps team that doesn't sit under marketing that helps mm-hmm. with, they basically, they run our Chili Piper instance, they run our Salesforce. So they're more the administrators in the back end. And then if I yeah. am stuck on something or need help, they're the experts, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the marketing team is actually fairly flat. So we report up to one of our co-founders mm-hmm. um, and we have... Basically, as someone in product marketing, we have Nolan, who I mentioned earlier, who is our head of creative and video. He also has social rolling up to him on the organic social side, which, again, mostly LinkedIn, but we also dabble in a couple of other channels. Um, We have partnerships. So we have product partnerships at Chili Paper, which is essentially all of the integrations we have. So when we integrate with a tool like Gong or with other partners in B2B, we we work really closely with them on that launch and how we can bring each other customers. And then we have a channel partnerships team as well that is basically agency partners. So they work with agencies on someone who's implementing, say, HubSpot or Salesforce and they need help on lead routing, then we'll naturally come up in that conversation. Mm. Um, So we work really closely with those teams Mm. on the marketing side. And then trying to think who I'm missing. Um, (laughs) We also have a CRO, which is 
so handy to have. Um, he's kind of a growth marketer slash CRO who does a lot of the website optimization. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. Yeah, he's just great. He helps with so much behind the scenes. Um, yeah. And then on the agency side, the only agency we work with externally is an agency to help us with our website. So we're on Webflow and we basically just work with them in Asana. So we'll assign mm-hmm. tickets and work with them that way. And then we also have a full-time customer marketer on the team. So she does things like we just implemented a tool called customer.io on the AM side. So she'll work with the customer team on things like onboarding, if we want to send gifts to our customers, that kind of thing. I really like that you are you know, such a lean team. Also, I feel like that has changed also a lot over the mm-hmm. past few years, you know, companies having really big marketing teams. Um, but I feel it can, can often be a lot more efficient also to be be fewer people um you know the more people you add not necessarily the more output you get it's more it can also add complexity right and i, I right. guess you have less complexity now I, w- I would guess definitely less complexity but i think we're in a, we're very lucky that we have almost as many ideas and creative things yeah. to do we just don't have enough hands to do them <laughs> no, 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 exactly. um, which is a good problem to have sometimes but i think we're never in the situation where we don't know what to do next month or we don't have yeah. ideas we have a really creative team and especially working directly with co-founders they're never short <laughs> on ideas so um, <laughs> exactly. we have a lot to do yeah no, and i feel like you should always feel a bit mm-hmm. like you <laughs> you know you don't have enough hands i kind of like that feeling like if you if you mm-hmm. feel the opposite, maybe that's a you know a bigger problem. Um, yeah, it's rare that I've felt that way on yeah. any marketing team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. The, like the basis of marketing. I feel like right now. Yeah, one um, of our co-founders likes to say um, that he wants everyone at the company to feel stretched all the time, but not necessarily yeah. stressed. So you feel like you're learning and you're stretching, but you don't want to always feel like the world is over if I don't do this one yeah, thing. Yeah, <laughs> so, I like that. Yeah, that's good. Try to keep that. <laughs> yeah, and I also feel like, at least as a marketer, like I want to feel like I have my hands full because I want to work towards a goal. And if I don't have my hands full, mm-hmm. obviously I could do something else. Um, right. But I uh, a few months ago, I read, uh, you know, I follow you on LinkedIn, of course, and I read that you tested out th- thought leadership ads, which is something mm. I have also been meaning to test, but haven't really gotten to yet. Uh, so it would be cool to hear a little <laughs> bit more list. about that. Yeah, it's on my my short <laughs> list. Um, so it would, would be cool to hear a bit more about that initiative from from your side and if, you know, what kind of results you've seen from it, because I, I think it's really interesting. For sure. Yeah. So um, for anyone who's not aware what this format is like, um, it's essentially a LinkedIn ad that you can run from a person's account. So not from a company account, which I think a lot of us have been asking LinkedIn to do this for Mm. a long time, Um, but they finally released it, which is great. And um, so we tested out a couple of posts from our co-founder Alina's account. Mm. And the short version of the post is basically her talking about how tough it is to be a CMO head of marketing these days and some lessons that she learned in the role. Um, So we ran those to basically everyone in a senior marketing position at our target accounts. That was the audience that we used. Mm -hmm. And we saw super high engagement with them. Um, Mm -hmm. It was upwards of 14% engagement rate, which if you do <laughs> yeah. ads on LinkedIn, that's unheard of. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. that was really, really crazy. Compared to anything else, it's like, yeah. Yeah, really amazing. Um, so, so far, we haven't necessarily seen that impact anything on the pipeline side, but this was about a month yeah. ago that we had them running, yeah. so it's a little early. Um, but what we have been able to see is our target accounts 
like obviously engaging with the post, liking, commenting. So that's been really cool to see. Um, and I think part of the reason why we were able to get such high engagement on it on the paid side is before we put paid behind it, we shared the post around, um, obviously internally, and then also yeah. with some of our friends in the space and asked them if they could help us with <laughs> just adding their thoughts to her post. Um, so there was already the engagement there on the organic side. So I think that helps when you boost no one really knows how these thought leadership posts work yet with the LinkedIn algorithm. Um, but we had a hunch that that would help kind of boost the paid side even more. And it seemed to do that based on just the results yeah. that we saw on engagement. No, I really like them because it's a good way of, you know, really sharing knowledge without, without all the fuss really. Um, and it mm -hmm. does really look like an organic post to be honest. So it's like, I even find myself commenting on these posts once in a while, uh, you know, without thinking about it. And I think that's awesome mm -hmm. because that's what Yeah, we're, that means they're targeting after. the right people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if exactly. you want to comment. <laughs> they're working. Yeah, I would say the tricky part, and I think they've added video format now. I could be wrong, mm -hmm. um, but I heard that was coming. Um, but obviously, because it doesn't look like an ad, it's tough to track that follow through. So yeah. we're able to see on the LinkedIn analytics side which accounts are like engaging with it, clicking it, all those fun things. Um, but that doesn't tie back to our website analytics or tracking because there isn't really a direct CTA that people yeah. are clicking on. And in, in terms of LinkedIn ads in general, would you say that is one mm. of your main channels, so to say, in where, where you're you know, spreading your, your knowledge and your, your creatives? Yeah, especially as a team of one, um, yeah. I've kind of paired back. So when we were doing some experimentation on Facebook, Instagram, um, I've pretty much focused exclusively on LinkedIn now. Um, mm -hmm. We've done some small tests on Instagram around things like events, like we'll run geolocation ads around events that we're sponsoring or events that we didn't have the budget to sponsor <laughs> just to get yeah. in front of the audience. Yeah. Um, so we'll do those every now and then. But in terms of like every single week, I just don't have the bandwidth yeah. to keep an eye on everything. I think we would just be wasting money, to be honest, if we were everywhere. Um, so that's our main one. And mm -hmm. then we are still sponsoring um, some smaller newsletters because those have yeah. worked really well for us in the past. Before we continue this episode, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors, Sway. You know what's tough? Being a small team trying to crank out video content on the regular. It's not easy. I'm sure you've thought over things like, what kind of videos should we be making? Which platforms should we use? And how do we produce them so it doesn't cost a fortune? So I got some good news for you. I partnered up with the folks over at Sway, and these guys have created an approach to make the whole video creation process much simpler. They've cut down the usual production costs by doing things completely remote. You don't even have to take my word for it. Just head to their website and check before and after examples. And now, Back to the episode. What, what would you say is like the, the most successful part of your LinkedIn ad strategy? So, so, so to say, what is working and, and yeah. Yeah, I would think, say the biggest thing for us is, you said earlier about the thought leadership ones, but it's always mm. our ads that don't look like ads, which sounds <laughs> obvious. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so one of our highest performers right now, we spend... The bulk of our retargeting budget is on customer story and testimonial mm. type ads. Mm. Um, and our, we've had tons of different flashy video format. We've tried kind of pared down just Zoom recording videos. Those yeah. worked well for a little while, but then everyone started doing them. So they didn't yeah. Work as well. yeah, exactly. Um, but right now our best performing one is just a LinkedIn post from one of our customers. It's a, a screenshot. Mm. Yeah. Um, and obviously I asked him for permission and he said, like, go for it. 
let me know what the results are. <laughs> so, and you are mainly um, targeting marketeers, right? Exactly. Yes. I think yeah. that's important to know um, for the formats because like you said, marketers just know what the new trends are. Like you see a thought leader ad and you know it's an ad, but a lot of people probably yeah, don't exactly, know that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we kind of have to be really up on <laughs> the new formats. Um, yeah. So marketers are are pretty much our main ICP. And then we also sell into sometimes VP heads of sales as well. Yeah, and I feel like what you said about, you know, customer and customer testimonials and so on. I feel like those mm. types of ads can be the most powerful, but they can also be not so powerful. Like, like if I see an ad where I see uh, another person that has a similar, you know, head of demand role to me at a cool company, and they are telling me that Chili Piper helped them do this, um, I will probably check it out. But if mm -hmm. it's like something that, you know, if I don't recognize the company maybe or the person, then maybe I won't. So I, I think it's, uh, yeah, you have to get it right also, which is maybe the tricky part. Mm -hmm. I think it's also one thing that I've seen a lot is I get targeted, I don't know about you, but I get targeted with bigger companies because I think it sounds impressive to the person yeah, writing sorry. that. But they'll say like, Microsoft did this or Salesforce did that. <laughs> yeah. And I just immediately, I'm like, well, it's not for me then. <laughs> like their marketing team is probably 10,000 people. So um, no, I very different agree. use case. Like it's not so relevant yeah. then. Exactly, um, yeah. And I would probably want to see like a company similar to ours, right? If I, if I were to see a, an ad with, with your face and mm -hmm. Chili Piper, you have been using a tool uh, mm -hmm. to achieve this. That would be cool for me as an example. Yeah, I think um, the social proof, it, you're right. You have to be careful because it has to be the right context or the right persona, but also it has to make sense for the companies that you're targeting. Has that always been a big part, like customer testimonials, has the, that always been a big part of your strategy or has it kind of increased over time? It's always been a big part. Um, but I think I mentioned earlier, we were very focused on video in the past. Yeah. Um, and honestly, partly just because a couple of years ago, no one was doing that on LinkedIn, at yeah. least on our feeds. We weren't seeing it very often. Um, but now if you scroll up your whole video, your whole feed is probably videos and um, gong re recordings. And yeah, so we've tried all those formats. But <laughs> we're yeah. still figuring out what works. That's really cool. And before we kind of end this episode, like now we talked a bit about LinkedIn ads, but looking <laughs> back at, at 2023 in your team of one, what have been your <laughs> like, yeah, maybe that have generated the most success or just been your kind of proudest moment? Mm. Uh, do you have any, any of those? Oh, um, in terms of success, um, events are definitely back for us this year. Mm -hmm. So Obviously, yeah, we have you went a to lean a team. <laughs> yeah, so we, we can't be everywhere. Um, but for example, at Inbound this year, um, we booked almost 100 meetings, which is huge for us. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So yeah. yeah, we have a post on that if anyone's curious. But <laughs> um, So that was huge. And then I, took, I actually got to go to a couple of events last week in Austin. So I went to CXL Live um, mm -hmm. and Marketing Land, which is brand new this year. And just... Getting to meet customers and prospects in person is just so different after being <laughs> behind yeah. a screen all day. I'm sure you can relate. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that has been great. Um, and then I'm trying to think of anything else that has been a standout for us. We've been moving more towards an account-based strategy, working with our outbound team more this year. So I think that's mm -hmm. something that I'm really looking forward to how we can build on that next year and work more closely with them because our SDR managers are amazing. We have a really great outbound team. And if you've followed any of them, they they also post some great content on LinkedIn. But mm. um, our strategy is obviously like 
we would love it if we could drive everyone inbound. That would be great. Um, yeah. But we know that that's just not how everybody buys. So we're trying to be everywhere. We want to be inbound, outbound. And next year, we'll have a PLG motion as well. So that's what mm, I'm cool. personally really excited for, to have all three. Yeah, nice. But good. That was a good, uh, good last answer. Thank you so much for joining us, Tara. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Driving Demand. Are you ready to learn more and share knowledge with some of the best B2B marketers in the world? Join our community on drivingdemand.io. See you next time.